0: all right welcome back sports talk for fans by fans episode 32 brian here with alex again and this week we're going to break down the nfc east and give you the impact of the off-season moves and the draft kind of key parts the predictions we have for the regular season Who's going to win the division and some fantasy football talks. Alex, how are you doing?
1: Doing fine. Excited. We're going to talk about the greatest division in all of sports history. I don't
0: know how you say that with a straight face with no team being above 500, Alex. Anyways, let's break down how they did last year. The Washington football team, which I guess we're still waiting for that nickname to be finalized, finished 7-9 and nine last year, winning the division. Uh The Giants second place at six and 10 tiebreaker Dallas. Don't don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing over the Cowboys at six and 10 also in third place, rounding out the division, the Philadelphia Eagles who were just, just not, you know, just a lightning rod of attention for all the bad news and Carson Wentz and just not good. So um, we're going to start with the Eagles first, Alex, let's get into it. So with the Eagles, Jalen Hurts took over as the quarterback in week 13 Uh, from Carson Wentz after about 12 and a half weeks of interesting quarterback play, I guess to say the least, he just did not look the same. Um, Either he showed the Eagles enough to let him have the the job for one year, or they're just kind of doing a mini tank. I don't know, maybe both. Um, They committed to that completely by trading Carson Wentz to Indy. And so far, Alex, it looks like they're winning that move since Carson Wentz already got hurt in training camp. So, Eagles winning that one somehow, um, but maybe they're not winning it because they need Carson Wentz to play to get that better draft pick at the same time. Finishing at 4-11-1 last year, they're 26th offense in scoring, 20th defense in scoring. They also had the 20th grade roster, so the fourth worst roster in football in terms of PFF grade. Um, They played against nine playoff teams. In those nine games, they went one and eight. The other way to look at it is five of those losses were by, were by one score. So, you know, Carson Wentz turnovers and injuries. A lot of factors could have played in that for the Eagles. So, you know, could they bounce back? We'll see. But Alex, the first question I have for you about the Philadelphia Eagles is who has a better chance to survive long term with their current position on Philadelphia Eagles? The head coach Nick Sirianni or the quarterback Jalen Hurts?
1: I would originally have said I said Nick. Now I'm going to say Jalen, and this for this reason: if we were to believe reports, sounds like Eagles were in big play for Deshaun Watson, and they theoretically could. But reports are saying that Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play for Philadelphia because obviously he has some type of no trade clause, so he has the ability to, to kind of buck the system and decide where he goes. So if we were to believe it. That they're not able to replace Jalen Hurts with Deshaun Watson. So I would say for the time being, in that case, I think they're going to stick it out with Jalen Hurts at least for the next year or two. Um to see maybe if he can beat something. And it's really all on him. If he plays decently well, maybe they stick with him a couple more years, but they definitely got the firepower to go get another quarterback, even if they want to trade, you know, trade jump in the draft next year and trade up to get a quarterback. Um, Nick, I don't, I don't know if Nick has a chance. I think he, he was kind of one of those situations that I think they wanted to kind of stay with the whole Andy Reid of it a little bit, um, staying in kind of that, that tree. And I don't think he has enough talent on that roster to compete. I don't think Nick is that great of a coach to kind of overcome that roster. So, I, I'm going to say that Nick will probably be the first one gone go on smoking. I think at the worst, Jalen Hurts is going to be there for the next three years at least. I don't
0: know if we can give Nick Sirianni any credibility in being a coach because as the offensive coordinator for the Colts, he didn't even call the plays out there. So I don't know what you're doing if you're the offensive coordinator um, and you're not calling plays, but I'll get into some of that here in a little bit. Um, let's get into the offseason transactions, uh, the moves they made and our thoughts on them. So the head coach, there's a new head coach, Nick Sirianni coming over from the Colts, um, filling that position, the draft, um, you know, they got, uh, an extra pick for next year. They're going to have two firsts and two seconds with the potential of, you know, that other second moving up depending on Carson Wentz, but probably right now it's going to be two, two firsts and two seconds, um, with how everything's playing out. Uh, they moved back, Alex. What are the, some of the draft picks that you like or some of the impact draft picks that they made?
1: Well, they traded up with one of those uh, picks they had in the third round to get Devontae Smith and probably one of the best trolling moves of all time in the NFC East that the Giants were sitting there and the Eagles decided to make a deal with the devil. Jerry Jones t- jumped in front of the Giants to get Devontae Smith, which is a classic move. Um uh obviously uh, they drafted landon uh, dickerson the center from alabama i had some people that thought he may have been one of the better office linemen in the draft he's got an injury history uh, but if he can stay healthy they may have got still in the second round um they also did some things to kind of uh solidify themselves up front no williams at louisiana Tech, tech and marilyn tui pulotu yep i got the usc player name right DT from USC, some players there, you know, when you have someone like Fletcher Cox, you don't need to be amazing at the other positions. You need to be able to have some bodies who are able to kind of give some play. And then they drafted Kenneth Gainwell, which is kind of one of those Philadelphia Eagle style running backs. He has the ability to run, but they can catch the ball out of the backfield. It seems like Memphis is bringing up the, they're the new running back you right now. Cause they, I think they got what four, five guys in the NFL right now. Yeah. They got a couple that popped out recently. Um,
0: all right, let's move on to the free agency side. Um, some of the additions that they're tracking. Uh, Anthony Harris, the safety for Minnesota, which could be a great, great value. Joe Flacco, a good backup quarterback. But then they just traded for Gardner Minshew. I, you know, maybe he's just uh, it's a project to see how he kind of works out. I really don't think I understand that one. You know, I like I like him as a quarterback. I just don't understand what, when you have the veteran backup to backup Hurts. Um, but, yeah. Because um, to me, it just seems like they're kind of trying to find the next Ryan Tannehill of uh, giving themselves a visit, you know, a quarterback to try out. Um, Kerrigan came over from the, uh, I almost said Redskins, but from the Washington football team and then the quarterback, uh, Steve Nelson. So a couple there's a couple of the major, more some major. Additions. Where are the losses uh, that they had in the offseason that uh, that may have an impact?
1: Obviously talked before about Carson Wentz, they obviously trade him to the Colts. So, you're dealing with that with the Colts. Um, Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey are both gone, veteran wide receivers, but both of them kind of stay hurt. So, you have to question how big of a loss are that. Um, also, you know, they lost Malik Jackson, uh, who who when he came over we thought was going to be a very good steal for them. But, obviously, uh, he's moved on. So, um, then also they lost a couple of secretary guys, uh, Robbie Coleman to the Lions and lost Jalen Mills, as a Cowboy fan, I love playing just Jalen Mills, but fortunately he's a pet now. Uh,
0: I don't know if you said Jason Peters ended up – he actually is now 39 and on the Bears now, so it's kind of yes. weird seeing him being on a different team. Um, the thing with the wide receivers you're talking about, Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey, yeah, it's good. They got away from those veteran receivers. However, they're still eating $11 in dead cap. Uh, they're eating thirty-three million dead cap cards. Once we'll talk cap stuff later. So just made me look about the wide receivers and just kind of interesting how they're. I think they're paying more to wide receivers not on their team than they're paying to wide receivers on their team because they have so many young receivers. Uh, transaction that I like the most, Alex Anthony Harris. I think it's pretty for me. It's an easy answer. He's one remove, one year removed from being essentially the top safety in, in the league. Last year there was a lot of holes in that defense. I don't know if it was fair to put a lot of that on him. He had a bad. I don't know about a bad grade, but a worse grade than he did in his previous years. Um, so, you know, there was a, a drop off. Uh, they couldn't get to a deal, which is weird because Anthony Harris really wanted to stay. And they end up signing in Philadelphia for a cheap one year, like $5 million deal to kind of probably be a prove it deal. So um, I think that's good value for the Eagles. It definitely helps their safety position a lot. So I, I think that's a, a great move that they made uh, for the Eagles. You never know. Maybe he'll end up liking it there and, and, and stay there long term because they have some more money freed up next year, I believe. Uh, what transaction did you like, Alex?
1: I like the Landon Dickinson draft pick from Alabama. Um, a lot of he, he kind of went slept in the draft, obviously, because he I believe he had I want to say a major injury all the years that he started in Alabama. So he kind of went under the radar, but his tape is really good. Like the scouts really like him. The question is how healthy he's going to be. Um, but I think I, I'm he hasn't played much, so he doesn't have to wear and tear. So. I think he's going to be a really good player for them. Uh, you already got, you know, you already got some veteran offensive alignment. that have already left. You talked about Jason Pierce, but Dickinson, he could play guard for them and he could play center for them. So they're going to have the uh, flexibility to kind of um, with him to kind of pluck some holes in the interior of the line and their line definitely needs kind of a makeover this year. So I thought that was kind of a solid pickup for them.
0: Yeah. The, uh, The Eagles didn't have Brandon Brooks last year Um, when he did play in 2019. He was the number one ranked guard in all of football. Uh, He's been like a top 10 guard his whole career. So they actually had Brandon Brooks back, which I I think people maybe forgot. They still have Kelsey in the middle, Lane Johnson on that right side. Um, And their other two linemen were actually graded as average. So they weren't terrible. So this actually gives Dickinson, I think, a good chance to maybe sit behind Kelsey for a year because Kelsey is getting older. Um, you know, he's 33, he's about to turn 34, which, you know, you know, Alex Mack is 35, or 36 with a Niners. So, um, centers can last maybe a, a little bit another year or so, but they can definitely gives him a good value. You can plug in center guard spot. And, you know, I, I, think they're doing a good job. I think the Eagles are kind of a sneaky team with, uh, the way they're kind of rebuilding some of the things they did. Uh, I do, I would do like that. So, um, cause yeah, he Eagles also technically fans, being forced
1: they, Eagles fan really hate their, their front office, but. Um, I think they're kind of the middle of the road, better drafting teams when they actually do draft. Um, the question obviously about coaching and development, are those coaching staffs able to develop that talent and get better at that? So um, we're going to see with their drafts this year.
0: All right, uh, transaction we like the least. I'm going to just continue on what I said earlier. I, Nick Seriani is the wrong head coach. Um, and it came out also about the whole Doug Peterson fallout. Um, how there was a big disagreement. And I think there was um, something leaked out of Philadelphia saying that they essentially want to hire a coach. That's kind of like a yes, man, someone that they can control. someone that, you know, it's coming out of kind of a lower area that doesn't have a lot of, I guess, I don't know, I don't know if reputation is the right word, but um, a coach that they can essentially kind of tell what to do. And that's what it sounds like. This exactly was is Nick Ceriani is, is kind of a coach. That's just going to say yes, because when your credibility is your offensive coordinator, that doesn't play call, To me, there's no way you should be hired. Like, I I don't, I don't honestly understand that one bit. Um, I think Eric Bieniemy is kind of the same thing in Kansas City. I don't know if he does the play calling, but like, why isn't he in the same boat? Like, how did Nick Sirianni get a job instead of him? Um, You know, how how did some of these other coaches get hired? It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Like the Lions' coach, Texans' coach, I, I really question this Nick Sirianni draft pick or hire. Uh, I don't like it at all. Um, especially when you want to develop, you know, some of these younger players in your team, your wide receivers, the offense, the whole offense is young skill position wise. I don't know if, if this is what you want to bring. I, I would have liked seeing, you know, like a Sean McVay type of coach, uh, you know, a Shanahan, someone that has a, that's a young mind. That's up and coming that knows what ha, that has done play calling. That's done all these things that you, we've seen them succeed. We've not seen that with Nick Sirianni. Um, the Colts offense is not built around. Their offensive line is like graded one of the best offensive lines in football. You're handing the ball off to three different running backs, and they're just running for five yards a carry with mediocre wide receivers and average quarterback. They picked Rivers. Give me a break. They had Rivers as a quarterback and made it to the playoffs. Um, you know, so I, I just for me, Alex, I don't understand Nick year Sirianni, Sirianni higher. Um, what about you? What transaction did you like the least?
1: Well, you took mine with the Nick, the the quick coach. So I'm gonna go with Carson Wentz. And not from the fact that they got rid of him, but the fact of the negative cap they had to eat on it. Um, they one they had to eat a huge amount of money on the Carson Wentz trade. Um, it could have been worse, um, but it was one of those things, I guess, when you don't you decide that the quarterback is not the right one, or more on his side, he kind of wanted to be traded and they kind of want to take care of him. But I mean, that is a lot of money to have to eat when you make the wrong decision at quarterback and it was so bad you know looking at it it kind of made people kind of rethinking you know golf is getting traded Wentz is getting traded should Dak even get paid for that that whole draft class two or three years ago looked like these guys are going to be hall of famers and now two or three years later we're kind of looking at them like golf's on another team Wentz is on another team Dak got hurt but you know you kind of look at the, the situation like man you didn't. You got a decent amount back for him, but at the same time, that's just a lot of money they have to to eat. I would have probably, if I was them, probably tried a way to work it out. Um, but a lot of times when you have a disruptor quarterback, you got to move on.
0: Yeah, he uh, thirty three point eight million is what they're paying him, uh, in dead money, and it's just weird because you know last year, yes, last year he was bad. But his other four years, he wasn't bad by any means. Like, so they really just very quickly threw him away. And it'd be one thing if they were a contending team, but they weren't a contending team. So to to dump him out this quickly after, you know, four years of being at least an above average quarterback to me is, is very weird. And this goes hand in hand with the Doug Peterson thing. And it's just like, it seems like a power struggle in the front office of, you know, probably probably being too involved is my, that's just my opinion from looking at all these things and kind of looking at reading these articles. So, all right, let's move on. Um, cap situation. They got 16 million this year, 3 million next year, but they're getting out of a bunch of salary cap. Hell. Um, I think 2023 is really the year where the cap space opens up a lot for the Eagles. So that's probably why you're looking at this year to being kind of figure out Jalen hurts. And then the next year they have a bunch of draft picks to, build the draft picks up, get young talent in, and then they can start spending in 2023. So Eagles fans, you may have the luck of being able to steal a division title just because of unfortunately, I don't think any of these teams in the NFC made a huge impact to jump out as being the clear cut favorite. I can tell you like who I think is is kind of a little bit ahead of everyone else, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles are at least competitive within the NFC East. Um Move on to fantasy football. Hertz last year took over, like we said. He started the last four games of the season. In those four games, Ohio Alex, he did average 21.8 fantasy points per game, which would have put him at the seventh best fantasy quarterback. Um, since he's a dual-threat quarterback and the Eagles will maybe playing from behind next year, uh, can we can trust him to continue being a top-10 quarterback in fantasy football? <laughs>
1: oh man that is that is a, a big question um, if you're i guess if you're in a draft you're kind of maybe looking for someone to kind of maybe low end I could see him as a low end kind of sleeper um, but the thing about it is um I don't think he played as great as everyone thinks he did down the stretch but fantasy wise he definitely did. they were behind in a lot of games and he definitely kind of stood out. And also think about this in the last game, he kind of didn't play this really the second half, most of the second half. So you talking about the points he had, he could have had a lot more average per, per game. So um if I'd buy low on Jalen Hurst and hope you you, you hit something because there's there's definitely potential, especially you talk about dual threat quarterbacks, but a dual prepared quarterback can get you three to four points just for running every every game. So um there's something there. Um, I don't know if I want to put him as draft him as my top end quarterback, um, but I definitely think he's he's worth kind of drafting, kind of rolling the dice on.
0: Oh, I think you saw in one of our leagues I made him my top end quarterback because I do I do believe in at least being able to be top close to a top 10 because there's no real quarterback competition there. Even with the Gardner Minshew, I have a hard time believing. I think what he does for the offense with running to be able to run the read option and scramble. Is pretty good in the three games he that he played the full game for. He ran for over 62 yards in every one of those games. So even he was even if he doesn't throw for over 30 yards, which he did in two of his three games he played the full game for, he at least has that running threat. So quarterback to take, no, by no means is he a safe quarterback to take. But because he has ability to run is kind of one I think he could push being a top 10 Alex, but that's you know, that that's a very risky play. Um, but could pay off. Uh, he paid off for me in, in draft games last year. Again, he won me $1,000 against the Saints. So um, uh, there's that. And and I think the next I want to talk about is the running back situation because I think he, he enhances the running back situation. Um, I think he makes Miles Sanders better. Miles Sanders last year was the nine, number 19 running back, uh, 13.4 points per game, 867 rushing yards, six touchdowns, 28 catches, no touchdowns. Um, I think this offseason, Alex, it started where there was gonna be a lot of questions on oh man, this is gonna be a, a big committee between Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, and Carry on Johnson. However, Carry on Johnson was just waived recently, um, and they still have Jordan Howard on that team, I believe. I'm not sure if he got cut, I know because I know the uh, the cuts came down recently. So, um, if Howard still is on that roster, he could vulture some touchdowns, but. I think he has a chance of being closer to being a, the two, 2019 rookie version. In 2019, he had 50 catches, um, and he was closer to being a real top 10 back. So, Alex, do you think he's better – he has a chance of being a top 10 back or top 20 back? Because I think his a chance to break a top 10 if utilized correctly within the Jalen Hurts, dumping off 50 catches again, read option type of offense. So what do you
1: think? I, I agree with that last part, of the if part, because – he should have been a lot better than last year. Um, definitely, I know there were some games he got hurt, obviously, but he should have been average-wise a lot better. But if you're an Eagles fan, you saw it. There were times where Miles Sanders and even Boston Scott they were getting they were getting yards running the football, and then out of nowhere, they decided they were going to throw it and be pass happy. Um, the uh, Sirianni, we're going to see how their office is going to run. Uh, if they go more to the ground and pound, especially with the uh, herds kind of opening up the gate with the uh, with option and different things like that, Miles Sanders should be a pretty good threat. I know Howard probably vulture, you know, goal line touchdowns or different things like that. But I think Miles Sanders can at least put up, I'd say, anywhere from 1,200 to 1,500 total offense yards. That's just me personally, but it's always going to be about how they're going to use them. Obviously, um, the last coach um, that was there, uh, office coordinator and everything, he came, didn't have much imagination. The, the push is going to be on that culture stamp. But yeah, I think he could be a top 15 back easy. Yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I just kind of double check with depth chart. Jordan Hard did get cut. However, he got signed back on the practice squad for the Eagles. He's not technically gone. But I mean, this really just makes it uh, between Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. So I think it gives Miles Sanders a lot of potential. To be a, a sneaky a sneaky top ten, I wouldn't say uh try, you know, obviously try to I wouldn't take him in, with a round one pick by any means, but a round two pick um, to supplement whatever your, your first pick is, um, I, I think is a good you know if he's your running back too that's a phenomenal steal if you can somehow make that happen, but yeah uh, I, I think Sanders has a great year with Jalen Hurts if utilized correctly, and the thing to look at is with the Colts uh, Nick Sirianni where he came from. It's a run-heavy offense, and that's what he wants to bring. He wants to bring that run-heavy approach. So you know, it could work out. We'll see how it goes. Uh, So I think those two are kind of sneaky good picks if you get them at the right time. Uh, Wide receiver for fantasy on the Eagles side. Last year, that receiving core was probably one of the worst in football because of injuries and issues. Greg Ward had 53 catches. Fulgham had 38 coming out of nowhere. Jalen Rager was hurt at the start of the year, came in with 31 catches with no training camp, UTAs, and all that stuff because of COVID. Certainly you hurt. Jalen Rager definitely was behind the curve. So I don't know if it's really fair to say that he's a bust like a lot of people were just because of how good Jefferson was. But, um, you know, you're adding Devontae Smith to this group. Um, So Alex, uh, Devontae Smith is projected to be have 71 catches, 945 yards, uh, five touchdowns, which if that's true, he's, he's borderline wide receiver two, which I think is too high for him, but a good wide receiver three slash flex play. Um, If you had to take one of the wide receivers, which one would you take and kind of, you know, are they? Is there? Are they any of them better than a wide receiver three, Alex?
1: Um, I wouldn't want to put any of them in wide receiver two right now. Um, I need to see more from both. Um, Smith is always showing that. You know, one of the bigger questions is about his frame. Can he hold up to a full uh, NFL season? He's already hurt, so that's already kind of a red flag in my opinion. Rager kind of had an injury-prone first year. He seems like he's a little bit healthy. So he might be the better play if you're thinking about right now. Um, a couple of my leagues, I kind of took him as like a number where I a three or four. Both of them kind of put at the bottom of my bench, kind of like maybe I've played in a certain particular game, kind of uh, just in case. Similar to what you did with uh, what some people did with Jefferson from the Vikings last year, draft him just in case he kind of has a good year. He blows up. Now you got somebody off your bench that you start probably start as a wide receiver two, a wide receiver one. Um, I think they're going to be plenty of balls to go around. Um, it's got to be the balls have got to be going to Rager or going to Smith. So, uh, I don't know which one you want to take because you kind of don't know really about their offense. They haven't really shown much in preseason, so you can't really take anything from there. But um, I wouldn't draft either of those to be a wide receiver, 2 I'd feel coming mind wide receiver three, wide receiver four, maybe kind of take them, depending on how deep your league is, to kind of put them on the bench, kind of feel out how their offense is going to be running. And then it seems like Rager's the guy you go with, you go with him.
0: Uh, and it looks like uh, with Smith being hurt, uh, Quez Watkins uh, is going to be the, hit the second year man out of Southern Miss is going to be the next wide receiver up for the Eagles. Potentially, um, they, they did resign Fulgham's cut and they did resign him uh, to the practice squad. But, you know, outside of outside of them, there really isn't much of Greg, Walk- Greg Ward is still there. Um, but it, I think this is going to be Jalen Rager's and Devontae Smith show. Now, Devontae Smith, like Alex was just talking about, he's projected to be out, I think, two to three weeks with an MCL sprain. Um, So he's already going to miss the first couple weeks of the season, which is definitely not a good situation for them. That's not what they need to have. So let's move on to maybe the gem of the Eagles team, their tight end position between Dallas Goddard and Zachary. Goddard last year was number nine tight end at 10.1 fantasy points per game. Um, However, when Hertz took over at the end of the season, he had six, seven, and eight fantasy points. Uh, in each one of those weeks that he started and played those full games. So that's not very good at all. I don't know because Carson Wentz is very tight end driven. With Jalen Hurts at the quarterback at the helm now, are we still going to see the tight ends use with Ertz and Goddard? Because in the practice, they're talking up. New York Sirianna is saying a lot of the targets in practice are already going to Goddard and Ertz. But we saw last year, the time together, it didn't work well. He didn't really throw them much at all. So do you think Goddard and Ertz can still be because Goddard right now is inside the top ten, do you think he can still be a top ten tight end with you know Hertz as at the quarterback?
1: Goddard's gonna be a borderline draftable tight end. Um we've had conversations about fantasy output on tight ends. Kind of you you get past certain um tiers of tight ends, it's kind of like you're kind of picking from um about the same. So um, if you have a chance between drafting one of these tight ends, particularly Goddard, and maybe another tight end, another team that maybe is the number one, and you're looking at somewhere between 10 to 15 range, I'd probably go with them before I go with Goddard.
0: And, I, and I'll tell you, like I, I'm actually applying these things that we're talking about. I, in one of my leagues, I got Kittle in round three. Great. My other one, I wasn't to get, able to get a tight end where I wanted, so I took a tight end at the very end. I got Evan Engram. You know, it, it's – a lot of these tight ends, yes, you can easily say that Goddard's been an Got it. However, you know, Evan Ingram got a crap load of targets, and which I'll talk about when we get to the Giants. So you, you really just have to understand the tight end position. I would not reach for tight ends unless, you know, you're getting only the top. Maybe, you know, there's a top three in the outside. There's maybe like a couple more that you would want, and that's about it. Everything else you should probably stay away from. The Eagles won. Goddard, yes, he's great. Zach Ertz used to be great. I just don't know how I feel. I don't know how comfortable I feel trusting my fantasy Life on getting one of these tight ends and then just having to turn around and get someone off the waiver wire because there's not gonna be a big there's not a drop, big drop off from these tight ends. 10 points per game. You can get someone off region for eight, eight points per game at tight end. So don't don't get crazy with your tight end position, guys. Smooth the defense, Alex. I honestly was surprised on the defensive side for the Eagles. I did not think that they were relevant, I guess is the right word. And that's because of how good they are getting sacks. And this is just how what the Eagles have always done, kind of. Last year, their 15th on fantasy, eight interceptions only. Uh, we know their secondary had issues. However, they had 49 sacks. Um, to me, they improved their secondary because not only did they add Anthony Harris to the safety position, uh, but the other corner, uh, Nelson opposite of Darius Slay. Nelson was actually graded higher than Darius Slay last year. Darius Slay was kind of graded, uh, graded in the middle of the pack. Nelson was graded 36th of the 121, so and the year before that, Nelson was graded as the top, or as the number six corner in all of football. So I think C. Nelson is kind of like an underappreciated corner. Um, he's always been in the upper half instead of the lower half of coverage grades. Uh, so you know, I think that's a sneaky good signing. You have Nelson on one side, Slay on the other side, Harris in the back. You have that pass rush. Linebackers are never really a. not really. I've never seen. The, I haven't seen the Eagles with a standout linebacker in a long time, but they have serviceable linebackers. So I think you know, as a whole, Alex, their defense. I, I think they could finish around the same number. They still have Brandon Graham, Cox, Barnett, uh, Hargrave, across that front line, you know, that good pass rush. Um, do you think they can keep finishing around 15 again, Alex?
1: Yeah, that's probably right where I got them. Um, like, back to what you saying, And also to you guys out there, also pay attention to your defensive scoring because if you're in a league with the defensive that's that's heavy around sacks, um, this is one of the teams you're going to want to have to draft because uh, they're always in the high 40s. Um, now, I will say this, it also goes to their defensive scheme last year. Um, so we'll, we'll see that. But I think they're going to be deeper this year. You kind of forget that you're kind of getting Ryan Carrick. And I know Washington football team believes Ryan Carrick is done. I think he's still got something to prove. So I think they're going to be kind of deeper at their pass rushing um. You know, so I expect them to have as many sacks as they did last year. Uh, the secondary, you kind of talked about how the secondary is going to improve. Um, I mean, they got ace intersections last year. I mean, we don't expect them this year to have 10 or more. I mean, that's if they do that and it's still comparable points wise, they're going to be right where they're at, if not better.
0: All right, let's move on and talk about the Dallas Cowboys now. It is crazy to think how much hype this team gets every year, Alex. And I know it's the fan base, and good for that fan base of being supportive of their team, being America's team and all that, and holding to being America's team. But it's also crazy crazy thing. It's been 25 years since you guys won a championship. Um, And it's kind of weird because you guys are in a division where we couldn't get a team of about 500. Um, And here we are again. The hype is restarting. Um, We get to hear Cowboys and fans all over again. Uh, so last year they finished six and 10. Obviously a lot of those issues were tied to Dak. Now, even still before that, I think we had other issues. In my opinion, the coach is a huge issue. Defense obviously is a huge issue. The reason why Dak's offense numbers are so great was because the defense was so bad. Um, they were 17th in offensive scoring 28th in defensive scoring. The roster was graded as 27th overall. Um, so one position better than the Eagles. Uh, they only played seven, Games against playoff teams, Alex, and you guys went 0 and seven in those games. I think so far in our podcast, this is the only team that we can actually say went 0 for something against all playoff teams. Um, I'll have to go back and look at that again, but when I saw that, I was like, "Oh my god, that's that's interesting." Um, so, how short of the leash is the? I how short is the leash on Mike McCarthy, Alex? Um, because I, I don't think he's the right coach. I don't understand why Jerry hires and sticks with his coaches for so long as he does. I like that he gives them the time to work on things. But at the same time, you're at 25 years since winning a championship. Um, you don't really you don't even get to the conference t- championship. So how short is the leash by Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy?
1: Well, the fan base, he's got a really short leash. Like he might lose the next game and the fan base is done with them. They're already done with them in the fan base. Um this is the thing about when you have a ownership who's the person who pays the money and actually makes the decision like this. They don't like to be wrong, okay? They don't like to pay money like this for a coaching staff and be wrong. So theoretically, it was any other front office or any other team, if he didn't do good, especially in a bad division, a talented roster, um, he'd be fired. But the thing about it is, the Jones has been accused for being so kind of um, quick at firing head coaches. Uh, you can look at Jimmy Johnson. So they kind of want to buck the, the trend to kind of show people that they're uh, responsibly and able to kind of take their time with those types of decisions. Um, but I'll tell you right now, the honeymoon's is over. Um, they were, in my opinion, they were duped. Um, Mike McCarthy, he kind of had that, that, thing on TV with Tom Pellisaro about how he's so big on analytics and he's an analytic man and all these different things that, you know, new age coaching. And he didn't apply almost any of that last year. And he kind of sold the Joneses that he was on it, but he wasn't. Um So they let him hire his own coaching staff, except for private Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore was really the only one to hold over that they kind of want to keep. He says he wanted to keep him, but we know the Jones is wanting him to stay. But he allowed him to uh, hire his own coaching staff. His defensive coaching staff was an absolute disaster. You've already talked about that on multiple podcasts, being a Niners fan, having Mike Nolan. So they allowed him to hire his own boy. It absolutely flunked. Um, And they started kind of being on their side, taking more of an action of hiring defensive um, coaches, hiring positional coaches. So the honeymoon's over. Um, he got a one-year, you kind of think about, well, you lost your franchise quarterback, and he was he was absolutely killing it. So you can't necessarily bury him. Um, but in, like I said, they don't want to be wrong. Well, they? I, if something happens, they give him another year. I wouldn't be surprised because they don't want to be kind of known as, hey, you guys got duped. And that's why you don't have ownership making these types of decisions.
0: Yep. Um, let's move on to the draft now of what they did and starting the offseason talk. Uh, the picks that I like, Alex, myself, Mika Parsons, and Jabril Cox, I love those two linebacker picks. You know, showing up defense is a great thing. But for you as the Cowboys fan, were the draft picks that you liked the most that they made?
1: Well, they went defense um, majority of the time. So they kind of went to, you know, positions that they absolutely needed. Uh, you already talked about Mark Parsons and Jabril, Jabril Cox. Um, I I was uh, a lot of people kind of scratched their head to Joseph pick, Kevin Joseph. He he he's one of those guys that if he puts those talent together, he's a top 15 pick for last year. I think he's the only person that went against Devonte Smith one on one last year, and Devonte Smith was 0 for three through through it in him, and he had a pick off of um off of Mac Jones. Mac Jones only threw two picks last year, one of them Kevin Joseph got. So, he's got a lot of upside to kind of be kind of like a, a top tier quarterback. Now, the question has always been is off field? Dallas loves off field problem players. He's got that. And then, is he a guy who's going to be doubting every single week? Um, another player I kind of liked, uh, Osa Diggy Azua uh, from UCLA. Uh, he's uh, 289. People kind of looked at him and say, man, this guy's really light in the butt. How he can play defense and tackle. If you watch him, even him preseason, that dude does not get moved. So they may have gotten something with him, but um, they knew defense was a problem and they went heavy defense that, uh, this past offseason.
0: All right, moving on to uh, the offseason moves, the additions and losses, Alex. What are some of the uh, major additions that the uh, Cowboys
1: made that's going to make an impact this year? Well, um, they decided they were actually going to invest in the safety position. Um, they signed Demonte KZ. Um, he actually had a year. We had seven interceptions. He got hurt last year um, playing for Atlanta, um, but he kind of, kind of that player they kind of signed to kind of take over for losing their secondary that they did last year. Uh, they signed Malik Hooker, who was a top 14 pick. He looked like in his first year or so that he was going to be kind of that next great safety. Injuries kind of derailed him, and then they made an unusual move signing Keanu Neal, who is a strong safety. They moved him to linebacker, so he's kind of that hybrid linebacker they're going to be using to kind of match up with inside corner um, um, slot wide receivers and tight ends and different things like that. Um, And then they signed Brent Irvin. Brent is kind of great. I think PBF said they thought he was like a top three interior run defender. So they kind of got him off the trash heap a little bit from Chicago. So that kind of helped them with that. And uh, Carlos Watkins, the guy they got who's going to be starting for them this year, uh, I thought he wasn't going to make the team. He's got to turn out to be the best defensive player they kind of got right now as far as internal right now. But I think he's still out with COVID.
0: Yep. Uh, what are some of the losses the Cowboys had uh, that they may that they may feel? I mean, Andy Dalton's the obvious one. We know he moved on. But who, did they lose anything else of value? Well,
1: Values they people. lost. Yeah, they lost uh, half of their second day. lost to Wuzier. He went to the Bengals. We talked about on, um, you know, on the podcast about the Vikings, them losing Xavier Woods. Um, he kind of left. Um, Joe Looney left. Went to the uh, Giants, was there for one day and retired as the s- center for the Giants. So that was kind of one of those weird kind of situations going on. Um, and then also Alden Smith. all Smith came on really early last year. looked like he kind of was like looking like he looked like when he was with the 49ers. And he kind of just trailed off. He's gone. And then he got signed by Seattle. And then Seattle promptly cut him because he uh, apparently choked the guy.
0: So everyone needs to understand with Alden Smith. The only reason why Alden Smith was Alden Smith, meaning the good version of him with San Francisco is because he had Justin Smith next to him, essentially holding guards by when they did the, the over under pass rush move. He would essentially lock, lock the garden tackle in Alden Smith would rotate around and just get 16 sacks a year doing that. There's a reason why when there's no Justin Smith, Alden Smith can't do things like that and get sacks because he never penetrated by himself to create a lot of sacks. So sucks for everyone that took on Smith and thought that he'd have a chance doing something. Where is he at Seattle now. So I think that's a great move. I love him being there and struggling. It's going to be. Well, he, they
1: just, cu- they just cut him for choking a guy. So he's not in Seattle anymore. And also I forgot well, to uh, reference Sean Lee, the goat retired, So he's gone.
0: It's true. I actually, res- I actually respect that one. I'll give you that one. Charlie. Of all, Cause a lot of these moves as an outsider, they're just kind of like, what the hell is going on? Kind of moves. Like you're essentially interchanging, people that were not that great but okay for people that were okay but kind of injured and didn't really play a lot. Um, the Brent Urban thing is weird because he is, like you said, the top three ranked run defender in football, but he didn't play full-time snaps. He didn't play like 600 snaps last last year like a lot of people. He played 300. So we'll see what he does in a full-time role.
1: Um, I think but, yeah. he's going to kind of rotate and be kind of a rotational defensive tackle. Um, he might play a little bit more stats at the beginning of the year because Neville Gallimore is starting defensive tackle. I think he's out for probably first six to eight weeks. So they'll he'll rotate in probably with the rookie defensive tackles they drafted. So he won't have as many snaps. He'll kind of be kind of a situation in the Bears. All right, so the
0: transactions that we like the most. For me, the transactions I like the most is, honestly, I'm going to go back to the the, with the trade down, the whole debacle, if you will, with inside the NFC East of the Cowboys and Giants or Cowboys and and Eagles conspiring against the Giants or whatever, where the Cowboys traded down and got Micah Parsons and they got additional draft picks. I, I That was the move I loved the most of the offseason because I'm not trying to be a jerk out. a lot of these other moves that the Cowboys made, I'm just kind of like, eh, okay, we'll see what happens. I'm not really going to say they're bad or against it, but, I, you know, You bring in Falcons players from a Falcon coordinator where the Falcons defense wasn't good, and Malik Hooker, who's been injured. I'm just kind of like, I don't know if that's making the situation better, but I I can definitely see the linebackers improving between Parsons and Jabril Cox, being added to hopefully Jalen Smith and Van you know, having a bounce back year. Um, So I I like that. What transaction did you like the most as a Cowboy fan?
1: Easy. They finally signed their quarterback. Uh, I know a lot of people kind of really don't, like Dak Prescott, kind of think he's not worth it. And you know what? Let's be honest. Most of the the way the quarterback market goes, the next guy up is the next guy get paid. So they're never, ever really worth that money they get paid. But this is the thing about it is, is the genius of how they did this contract. It's a four-year, $160 million contract, but it has the ability to be kind of a six-year, $160 million contract. The NFL is so brilliant about, guys about kind of stashing money we already talked about kind of like redoing contracts or pushing money backwards a little bit like that so they have that price guy has two void years at the end of his deal that they could basically kind of move some money around at near the end of the deal to kind of save some money overall on their contract so it has flexibility that if they need to save money they definitely can do that but I don't think he even reached his $40 million to his third year of his fourth year. So I think by then that's when the cap is supposed to skyrocket because of all these new TV deals and the sports betting thing that just came out. So, um, so it gives flexibility. I wish they would have done it two years earlier because you wouldn't have to pay him $40 million. You probably would have paid him like $30 million.
0: Greatest move ever would be if the Cowboys cut Dak Prescott this year, cause it'd be 95 million in dead cap. Um, his cap numbers. So the cap, what he counts against cap this year is 22.2. Next year is 33.2. 2023, 44.2. And then it goes up to 47.2. In the last two years are voidable years. So what that's really going to do is they're not obviously going to keep that. That's what they're going to kind of build the extensions and push everything back. So um, the, the part that's crazy for me, Alex, to think about is the fact that um, Baker Mayfield will probably could be paid higher than. Dak Prescott, based on what you said, just because they're resetting the quarterback market year after year, not because he's actually better than him. I really hope he's not getting paid more than Dak because I, I don't, I just don't understand if Baker Mayfield would be, but he's going to get a new contract soon. So, uh, transaction that you like the least for me, Alex, Keanu Neal. I don't like that one bit. Uh, to me, the defensive line isn't, this is just me, isn't good enough. Yes, the urban signing happened. I don't know if the defensive line is good enough to hold up to allow a undersized safety linebacker play behind them. Now, granted you have a lot of linebackers, but I don't, I to say that he's a linebacker is still baffles me. It doesn't make any sense. I don't like what they did. Um, they have technically four or five, at least average linebackers Two being paid a crap load of money. The other is a first round pick. Jabril Cox is the fourth one. He's, you know got the potential also. So, you know, why bring in Keanu and Neal and, and to do all that? I just don't like that move. I think it's a wasted move. Uh, it's just Dan Quinn bringing people in because it's Dan Quinn. I, I, that's why I don't like that. Uh, what about you, Alex? What move did you not like?
1: So, Keanu Neal's thing, I think they signed him with the ability to do this. He, he's committed to it. He puts some weight on. So, I think he was kind of one of those kind of – he'll be our our nickel linebacker. But when you get in the draft and you draft, you know – you know, Parsons and Jabril Cox, that kind of goes out the window. So it's only a one yep. year deal. It was, a. it was, I, I, when they signed him, I said, Oh man, we got, okay, we got decent, strong safety. Oh no, he's playing a linebacker. I was like, okay, well that can't do nothing, but go terribly wrong. Um But he, he's actually looked pretty decent in, in the preseason better than I thought he would, but it's only preseason. So we'll see how that works. Um,
0: but yeah, but wait, hear, hear me out. So what I would have rather happened than Neil happen for that 5 million, because they have, a, they have a couple million free. Davin Tomlinson just went for $10 million a year and he's, he's a, a a good run defender. He's a good defensive tackle. He's coming from the giants as a Cowboys organization. Hey man, you want to teach your team? You want to teach your former team lesson for not paying you come here. We'll give you 10 million. You'll start right away. You get to punish them. Like that's what I would do. Cause to me, the Keon Neal is a wasted $5 million. Like, I it just doesn't make no sense to me because because of those reasons. But sorry, like go ahead.
1: And I thought they would have traded him when they got Drew Bill Cox and Parsons, but they're going to roll with it, but we'll see what happens. Um, if I had to pick the worst decision to me as a Cowboy fan, when I kind of looked at what they were doing, them re-signing Jordan Lewis. Um, I did not think Jordan Lewis was good enough to be on this football team. He was a guy we drafted – we got in the third round. We kind of thought he may have been a top-of-the-second-round type of guy. And to me, he's been injury-prone, and he hasn't been healthy enough. And he hasn't been good enough. He just hasn't been. He's an average starting slot corner to me. And I think they re-signed him because they didn't want to hamstring themselves that they had to draft corners in the draft. I don't think they want to have that situation. They like to do that before the draft. Maybe fill a position like the Keon O'Neill thing. Hey, let's fill a position just in case we need to. We, we don't want to be hamstrung. We got to draft a particular player in the draft because we don't have anybody. But I think that was kind of the bigger head scratcher um, pick where I was like, okay, you could have signed somebody for cheaper in free agency and give you the same thing. But that one had me kind of scratch my head. And I wouldn't be surprised he get cut this offseason.
0: All right, let's talk about Cat. Cowboys got about three billion free this year. Next year, they're minus twenty million already. Um, however, you know there was a restructure with uh, Zeke's contract that happened recently to try to save them some money. Um, but you know uh, they have some people coming up next year that could be restructured or cut. Like Amari Cooper could save actually sixteen million if they cut him. But you know, that to me that's more of a person to restructure. Um, and then you have some of the other, uh, I think, offensive linemen. Uh, you know, Tyrone Smith, some some high end people that have you know money that could get moved around, um, or restructured, or straight up cut. So they're gonna have to find a way next year. For, that's not minus twenty million. However, the cap should go up, so they should be okay in that sense. Um, and they already have a lot of their people paid, so you know a lot of money is already allocated. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens next year with the cap situation. Moving on to fantasy, uh, Dak Prescott, Alex's quarterback, was number one through the first five weeks of the season at 26.2 fantasy points per game. Um, he had, however, the more concerning thing probably was his past attempts for the first four games, Alex. He had 39 attempts, 47, 57, and 58. That's not a number you want to see as a fade of a team. That is a number that you want to see as a fade of fantasy quarterback because, hell yeah, I want my quarterback throwing the ball a ton to get me tons of points. So, If the defense is a little bit better, if Zeke is a little bit better, um, do you think what's a more realistic number? Because I don't think Dak Prescott is the number one fantasy quarterback, but is he a top five quarterback if you have the offensive line improved, the run game's improved, the defense is better? Do you think he can still be a top five quarterback, Alex, with those three wide receivers they got?
1: In theory, yes. I think personally he's probably going to be dropped somewhere between seven and ten. That's just kind of my personal forte um i don't i don't think i don't think they're going to probably throw his mitt as much as they did we got to also understand he's coming off an injury and he has been built, uh, battling a kind of a shoulder strain so i don't expect him to kind of start out throwing for 350 400 yards per game i expect him kind of have a kind of a slow start to the season and probably rank up a little bit near the middle of the end of the year um but i don't think he's going to be in the top top 3 or top 5 um, if he is, um, that's good. That could be good for the Cowboys. Could be really bad for the Cowboys.
0: That's true. Um, let's move on to running back Zeke. Last year was number sixteen. I don't think we expected that. Uh, however, there was a lot of issues with the offensive line. A lot of issues where he was the burden focal point offense. Maybe was unfairly blamed for some things because of uh, he's supposed to be quote unquote Zeke. He's supposed to be that good. However, last year he did have worse fantasy points per game. Than David Johnson, which I thought was, you know, that's crazy with how much David Johnson falling off and on the Texans. But Zeke last year had 979 rushing yards, six touchdowns, 52 catches for and two touchdowns. He put in the work this offseason, um, which, you know, it shouldn't have to come to this point where he's doing it now this point in his career. But he put in the work, the offensive line's back, the quarterback's back. 16 is not a number that you're gonna see Zeke at. He's gotta be inside the top 10, Alex. But where do we see him inside the top 10?
1: Um, I see him in the back part of the top 10. His one of his problems last year was fumbling. I mean, he put the ball all over the ground. Fumbling for a running back is negative points, fantasy wise. So, um, do I think he'll probably have running rides somewhere between you know to, back to where he was at? Um, closer to the, the top 10? Yeah, but I think the days of him kind of being top two, top three, top five running back are over. I think he, he, he. he Your best bet with him, if you're going to have him, is hopefully he kind of becomes more of like a catching threat a little bit. But the problem with that is with Zeke, Zeke's one of the best blocking backs in football. So if he sits in to block, he's not going to have as many catches. So that's going to kind of be your conundrum looking at that.
0: Um, Is there going to be an increase in usage in Tony Pollard this year, or is it going to be the same kind of – have you read into that?
1: Um, from what they're kind of saying, it sounds like they're going to probably going to be using Tony Pollard, Pollard more as far as receiving. Um, one of the sneaky things that I've kind of seen people tell me in practice um, this offseason, there's times where both of them kind of in the back, kind of like your old school West Coast pro, pro form set. Maybe they motion Pollard out to kind of being a slot wide receiver here or there. So. I think Pollard probably is going to be more of a threat. He's going to probably get some some um, more catches this year. I think he had forty targets last year, so I wouldn't be surprised if Pollard kind of increases his targets. I, and
0: that's what I don't understand why the Cowboys wouldn't do that. Go three wide. Don't use. I know they have tight ends, but I would rather go three wide, use those two backs, and and space them out, and and especially if Zeke can block pass block well. Like, I I think that'd be a fun offense to watch. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens. Alex, on the wide receivers, I'm gonna skip Michael Gallup. I only want to focus on Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, so you can, you know, interject if you disagree with that. But Amari Cooper last year was number 20 wide receiver, 92 catches. I think a lot of people forgot how productive he still with he still was with Andy in there. Um 92 catches, a yards, five touchdowns, fourteen point five fantasy points per game. I see him kinda of as a low-end wide receiver number one, a high end wide receiver two. Um I you know, people are talking C Lamb up. More this year to the point where it almost feels like they're talking about more than Amari Cooper. I think people are crazy, Alex. Um, to me, Cooper sh- is still the one to see. Lambs the two, or, is, or are they a one A, one B? What what is the difference between the two of them, Alex?
1: Amari Cooper is going to get 150 targets this year. Bet not forty, 140, 150 targets. Easy. All right. He's going to have a chance to have 100 catches over that. He's their number one wide receiver. Okay. Um, he still had, you know, we look at it, he still put up pro bowl numbers without his starting quarterback. Um, now I know some of it probably tailed off near the end when you talk about it, you having going through different patches or whatever with Ben Dinucci and Gary Gilbert. But overall, his year was pretty doggone good. The fact that he had four different quarterbacks throwing him the ball. Um but, yeah, Co- Cooper's going to be your number one. I'm, I'm with you. Low-end one, high-end two. You get him as a two, a two. it's great value right there. Um, but, yeah, that's what you're, you're talking about. C.D. Lamb, um, he's going to be kind of – be your kind of slot guy. Um, he's going to probably be getting catches right there. He had 111, 111 last year, so I expect him to get as many. I think I would take Lamb over Gallup. You already talked about the dude, but I think Lamb – It probably, if you have him in the league, I'd say he'd be your probably like a solid number two, low end number two. When you're talking about that,
0: yeah. And the target share breakup last year was 130 for Cooper, 111 for Lamb, and 105 for Gallup. Um, I, you know, yes, Gallup is a great third receiver to have on a roster. Um, I just think C. Lamb and and Cooper are just going to dominate the the catches, and he's they're both more consistent at catching the ball too. I think Gallup even had several drops in the preseason already. Gallup for the um, but- Cowboys
1: is going to be your deep threat. He's going to be the one they want to get the ball to go deep. The thing about it is, he's not going to be the underneath guy. Ceedee Lamb's going to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. You can and you can see that in the yards compared to the targets. Um, with a uh, Lamb, he was number thirty six last year, though at twelve point five. You know, seventy four catches, nine hundred thirty five yards, five touchdowns. Alex, do you you see him eclipsing 000- a yeah. thousand. Lamb or the the two receivers to eclipse a thousand yards as a teammate.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. He, he'll hit a thousand. He probably should have hit a thousand last year. Um, he actually had over a thousand yards, um, I believe total. We took in his uh, his uh, rushing, and you also take in his kick return, punt return. He had that nice kick return at the end of that Niner game. So uh, yeah, he's 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 had a he's going to have over a thousand total off uh, offense. Yeah, and
0: with uh, C. D. Lamb, you know, he had a great season. He only had two games with over uh, ten targets last year, so he, he's able to be productive even without the the high target share. Um, but yeah, C. D. Lamb to me is a, a solid wide receiver number two. You know, I, I would even say like he's a maybe not solid, but he's he's a good wide receiver too. a steal it as a three or a flex player, is kind of how I see C. D. Lamb uh, for tight ends. Uh, Schultz Alex is the Looks like the top primary tight end, uh, six three catches last year, four touchdowns, eight point eight fantasy points per game. However, once again, stay away. He's one of the one of the uh, twenty tight ends that are good enough to pick off off for agency. But if you need to draft him, I, I just don't understand why you would draft a tight end like that. Um, nothing against Schultz, six year catches.
1: But you don't want to draft any Cowboy to tight ends because Schultz was the guy last year because Jarvin was hurt, so Jarwin's supposed to be sliding into that number one position. So I would stay away from all Cowboys uh, tight ends.
0: Yeah, especially with the you know the wide receivers, I would I would say Gallup over any of the tight ends. Um, defense, Alex, I'm just gonna say skip it. We're not gonna draft Dallas's defense unless you want to tell me something crazy right now.
1: Um, other than not drafting them and not even thinking about drafting them until they decide they actually want to play defense. Nope, nope, got nothing.
0: I think they did have a weird stat last year where like towards the second half of the season now. However, they did kind of play way better, but I don't know if that's because they were so bad at the start of the year. Um but they did have um I think I want to say the last four games of the season they were actually like a top 5 defense or something really weird. But but the opponents, however, were Cincinnati uh, a banged up Niners team with no relevant quarterback. Um Philly and the Giants, so teams that didn't have their starting quarterback, I don't think. I think all four of those teams actually did not have their starting quarterback, except for maybe – I don't know if Daniel Jones started Week 17. But, um, yeah, outside of that, the defense was bad all year. Um, And Yeah, wait to see how they play before you uh, invest a draft pick with them. All right, with that, we're going to move on to the New York Giants. All right, so they played against nine playoff teams last year. They went three and six in those games. Three of those losses, however, were by one score. So maybe they were closer to the Redskins than the Eagles. Sorry, Washington football team than the Eagles. Um, They finished six and 10 last year. However, their 31st points scored, but ninth points allowed. So you can see that defense really evolved, really got better. Um, Offensive side struggled. You know, Barkley was out. Um, You know, got Colt McCoy playing a couple games. Um, So, uh, you know, they didn't have a lot of receiving threats. Engram has continued to not really show he's the same as his rookie year. But Joe Judge enters year two. Daniel Jones enters year three to see if this team can get pointed in the right direction. So, Alex, my question is, is Daniel Jones going to be the quarterback from 2019? Or get the 2020 version who threw for only 11 touchdowns in the 13 games he started.
1: I think we're going to get something in between. Um, I think um... – he's going to make a step. The question is what kind of stuff is going to be. I don't think he's going to be better than he was, um, but I think he, he'll, he he'll have some decent production. Um, but thing, this the real question has always been with him about turnovers, turnovers and sacks. Um, he's just turned, the a turnover machine at the wrong time. He's already shown in the preseason. He threw a couple of uh, like uh, his last game, he threw a bad pick in the red zone. So, that's going to be what you got to look for him going forward.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the uh, additions. So, for draft, uh, the big one for that I'm tracking, Alex, is the trade back from 11 to 20, getting an additional five. And then next year, getting additional first and fourth, and then drafting uh, James Tony out of Florida. What other draft picks did you see or did you like that uh, the
1: Giants made? I love the Aziz Ojolari pick uh, edge out of Georgia. I thought with him and Jason Phillips, they may have been the two best edge uh, defenders in the draft as far as pass rushing. Quitty Payne was one of the better run defenders, but I thought him and Jason Phillips were probably the best guys. I thought Ojali kind of that really good tweener style uh, pass rusher um, that they definitely needed. They definitely had good defense, but they definitely needed some pass rusher help. <laughs> and then also Aaron Robinson, don't think he'll probably help them day one, but I definitely think he has starting cornerback potential.
0: All right. Uh, and some of the transactions that they made. Now, this team probably did some of the bigger name transactions, going from Kenny Doll, Ken, Kenny Galladay's four-year contract, getting paid pretty big money, I think about $19 million a year. Uh, Adore Jackson coming over from the Titans, who just kind of let him go. Tied in Kyle Rudolph, who left the Vikings. So now the Vikings kind of looks unfortunate with Irv Smith going on uh, the IR. Um, Devin Booker, uh, your, your, your boy on Madden with the 97 speed, John Ross, came over. Uh, Mike Lennon, uh, linebacker Reggie Ragland. So, you know, th- they had a, a good amount of impact name signings. We'll see because a lot of them do have kind of a history of why they were available going from, you know, Dora Jackson having a one-year-off with injuries, Gallaudet injuries. Kyle Rudolph is just getting a little bit older. You know, John Ross never really evolved into being the number one pick he was meant to be. But was there any transactions or, or losses that you think are going to be impactful for the Giants, Alex?
1: Dalvin Thompson, um, I think him kind of losing, kind of in the middle, um, is a run stuffer. Uh, I understand maybe there was a question made about what his money was worth or what you're willing to pay <clears throat> for someone in the middle like that. Maybe because you're there paying for Litter Williams and they didn't want to kind of double dip, but he's going to definitely be felt um, on that defense.
0: Yeah, uh, looks like some of the other losses, uh, Zeitler, the guard, <clears throat> who I think went to the Ravens, uh, Fackrell, the, you know, I think situational pass rusher who's uh, moving on to a new team. Uh, of all the transactions and additions made, Alex, what transaction did you like the most that the Giants did?
1: <clears throat> I like your Dory Jackson signing. Uh, I think they needed some kind of some help opposite of Bradbury. Bradbury kind of was a in free agency to me the previous year. Uh, they definitely needed some help to kind of boost their secondary. So uh, I think Adore Jackson still being young, still has some upside that he could probably get a little bit better. Uh, understanding and kind of work out in Tennessee, obviously because Tennessee had to cut him. But I still think he has something He has something kind of to prove there. So I think he has the ability to kind of have that athleticism to cover a number one wide receiver. But uh, we'll have to see on that.
0: Yeah. And uh, I was piggyback. That, that's the one I actually had it also was I think Adore Jackson is, is great value. Um, you know, last year he didn't really play a lot or really as much as he should have. He, you know, this year is making $6 million, So it's not really that bad. Coverage rate wise, though, before, if you throw out 2020, 2019, he was the eighth best corner. 2018, 27, 2017, 37. So he showed he came in the league as already a an above average corner and then progressed into being a top 10 graded corner. So You know, I think it's phenomenal potential, and you're adding, you're asking him to be the number two. You're not asking him to be the number one. So I think you know that that, that's great. Alex, transaction you like the least? Which one do you have for the Giants?
1: The the transaction I like the least is a small one, but it's actually proven that um, it's already didn't work out, and that was the Kelvin Benjamin signing. I kind of didn't understand what they were trying to do with him. I guess they were trying to turn him into a tight end. They were already good at tight in. I already had Ingram and just had signed Rudolph. I didn't understand what was the point of signing Billy Benjamin because you sign a backup tight end like that, he's got to play special teams. Benjamin's is not playing special teams. So uh, he already didn't work out. They already cut him before even the cut days they cut him off the team. So that was a weird one to me. I understand maybe, you know, kicking the ties or certain things like that. But then when I kind of was, had my hands up in there, air like, yeah, I don't understand what they're doing with that one.
0: Yeah, the one I picked is uh, the Kenny Galladay signing, actually, for myself. Um, I think that's a lot of ifs for a lot of money. He's going to actually get $21 million a year coming off of an injured season with a wider receiver that's never had more than 70 catches in a season. So, you know, I don't want to say it's not going to work out, but, you know, that, that's a lot of ifs for him to come back and be the number one. It's not to say he can't be the number one, but, you know, you know, I get it at the same time. You want Dale Jones, you give him all the options, Barkley comes back. This is really year three to show Dale Jones is going to show that progression uh, from one and two. So I get it. I just think it's a lot of money to throw at him. <clears throat> All right, let's go on to the caps. They have pretty much no money left this year. Next year, they have a couple million. Uh, however, next year they can't cut people like Logan Ryan, who they still have for whatever reason, Sterling Shepard. They can cut some of them. I'll free up, I think, maybe a little over $10 million. Um, but you know they ha- they've given out some big contracts recently. Moving on to the fantasy side, Alex, uh, Daniel Jones actually has a quarterback finished outside the top 30 in fantasy points per game at 12.1. He was under 3000 yards passing 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He did run for 423 yards with one rushing touchdown should have been 2 Let's be honest. Um, Can he return back to his 2019 numbers? Alex, I know you already said somewhere in between. So somewhere in between, I think is going to keep him outside the top 20. So do you think he'll be inside or outside the top 20? Uh, for fancy quarterbacks
1: outside the top 20 <clears throat> uh, in, in, in like I it goes back to kind of what I'm saying, you know, I'm saying, I don't think he's going to light up the league, but I think he's going to be a better quarterback. The problem is going to be his fumbling and his interceptions. Is that going to go down? I don't think it will. Uh, I think if you turn the ball over. That's kind of hard. He is You are what you are. So um, do I think he points wise, he'll get better. Yeah. he won't be outside the top 30. Um, if you're in a deeper league, maybe you you have uh, you play multiple quarterbacks. Maybe you kind of take them as your your QB two. I know that sounds crazy to some people, but there's a such thing as QB two. So maybe you 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 put them on the back, you put them on the bottom of your bench or something like that. Um, but more than that, you're not trying to draft him for being a starter.
0: Yep. Let's move on to running backs. Saquon Barkley got hurt in week two, so we don't really have anything to base him off what he did last year. However. His numbers the year before weren't nearly as good as his rookie year numbers. So last year he had, uh, or the year before, he had 1,000 yards rushing, six touchdowns, uh, 52 catches. But ESPN's projecting him to have a strong bounce back year. They're projecting him to have um, almost 1,200 rushing yards, nine rushing touchdowns, 56 catches, uh, 424 yards receiving. So, of course, that's a projection, but those numbers would put him back in the top 10. Alex, he hasn't done it since his rookie year. His second year he did it wasn't as good. And last year he was hurt. Can we really expect those Eastman projections to be correct for him to that strongly? And remember, the line has struggled this preseason too. So I'm not really sure what's going on with that line, but what do you think?
1: You know what? I don't I wouldn't even put it on the fact that our offensive line is gonna struggle. I'll put it on the fact that nature of his injury. He's a player that based a lot of his cuts off being explosive. When you have the injury he have, it kind of takes some of your explosion away. Let's be honest with Saquon Barkley. He's not going to be like a Zeke or some of the other running backs where he gets three, four, five-yard carries. He's a one-yard carry, no-yards carry, negative three-yards carry, 40-yard carry. So he needs those explosive yards to kind of make up for him not getting as many big yards as possible. But if he doesn't have the exact acceleration and quickness that he's usually used to, there's a good chance you know he'll be a shell of himself. I really I I don't I don't care if you're my you know my competitor or not. I really don't root for somebody to kind of be you know injury kind of take a guy out or whatever. But I wouldn't be surprised with him. I hope he has a really good year. I hope he has back you know a bounce back year. Um, But that's that's a lot of hoping that he still has the the quick burst to kind of make those 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 those, uh, big chunk points that you want for fantasy.
0: Yep, and you know with modern science these days it is possible he can come back and be he- and you know strong and healthy but you know, we, we, we got to hope for the best and see um it is kind of hard to just expect him to bounce back it's not to say it hasn't happened i mean you know frank Gore with three major reconstructed injuries of his knees during uh, you know i think high school and college and came back to the pros and didn't have any problems for some reason the pros so it's just kind of weird you never know some people just have injuries that hold them back and some can come back and recover properly and just never you know make Make the adjustments, but we'll see if he has to change the kind of running back he is. Um, but he has been he's projecting to said, bounce back in a big way.
1: It's funny you said Frank Gore because Frank Gore probably had so many surgeries; they probably made him better than he originally was when he was born, just because they kind of reconstructed his knee so many doggone times, where he's actually a better, you know, a better runner because of that. So, I mean, who knows?
0: Yep, it's true. So with Barkley, for me personally. <clears throat> I, I love the potential if he slides to draft him, but uh, man, I'd be scared to pick him with the fifth or sixth pick, just because. And some people have him going that high. I would just be scared, just because we don't know when he's coming back. I know there's talks about coming playing week one, um, but we don't know what the workload's going to be, uh, and we just don't know if he'll be bounced back the same way right away. Um, the three that are really there between Slayton, Shepard, and Galladay. Galladay's one really with the upside um Shepard maybe is kind of like a flex at best and Slayton really hasn't shown enough to be trusted in fantasy Alex do you want any of them and if you do get them you know is Galladay the right one as and would you want him as a wide receiver one or two?
1: Oh my goodness I would have to if you draft Galladay in your leads you're probably going to have to uh, at least hope that he's our he's a wide receiver too I wouldn't trust him as a wide receiver too but I mean, he's going to be probably getting to share part of the loads and the targets, so you know you can kind of look at it that way. Um, I think at the worst, he he puts up Darius Slay's numbers this from last year to this year, um, but that's that's a that's a stretch on it. I was with you with the Galladay thing. Galladay um, he kind of had a, a running mate opposite him, and uh, he kind of got his numbers from the previous years, and he's coming off an injury. I don't know if he's going to live up to that money they gave him, you know, um, but that's that's going to be a thing. I think if you draft Galladay, you got drafted with the intent he's going to be a wide receiver too. I just don't trust him right now. And Slay kind of was a, a nice little guy you pick up, you know, mid season if you really need a flex and you're trying to look for something. Maybe you got a guy who's down. There Slay kind of helped some people last year, kind of picking them up for one or two games, maybe here or there that the matchup was good, but. I wouldn't draft draft him with the fact that you're thinking he's going to be, you know, a solid wide receiver for you.
0: I don't know who should be more concerned uh, looking at this as, as Ram fans or as Giant fans. Like Because Gallaudet's previous two years, uh, you know, he had 119 targets and 70 catches in 2018. That was his career high. The year after that, uh, the only year he's ever played a full season, he had 116 targets but only 65 catches. So his catch rate was almost 50% which is insanely bad. So I don't, you know, is that an issue with Matt Stafford or is an issue with Galladay? I don't know. He did have 11 touchdowns that year. So maybe people overlook that, but when your catch rate is that low, there's major, to me, there's major red flags. And I don't think Daniel Jones is a better quarterback than Matt Stafford. So I'm not really sure what to expect. There's a lot of things I'm looking forward to watching this year from, you know, how good Matt Stafford is compared to what Jared Goff is compared to how Galladay fits into this offense is, is Daniel Jones really that much better. Um, there's a lot of interesting things to watch, but the Giants' defense looks good, so at least they had that going. Um, they look like they're going to continue what they did last year. in Bill and offense can't be worse. We uh, definitely can say that. So move on to tight end Evan Engram. Uh, drop. He's been dropping since his rookie year. His rookie year is a top five tight end. Uh, however, there is potential with Evan Engram. The potential there is his targets. Half his games last year, he had at least eight targets or more. So he does get the ball thrown his way um alan i'm not sure if it's a, a product of him dropping them ball because he does have some drops issues uh colt mccoy being the quarterback dylan Jones being the quarterback but i drafted him in one of my leagues just because if i'm going to draft someone that's in the middle of that group at least i'm going to get someone that gets the targets i know he's going to get the targets um so you know but once again he was number 21 last year so don't spend anything more than like a last pick on him but to me if you're going to take one of those tight ends alex He's that good potential out of that mid-to-bottom mid, mid to bottom mid-tier. What do you think about that?
1: You know what? Um, the, based off of last year, yes. My thing, I'm kind of worried about him, is you got Kyle Rudolph in in that room too. So that I kind of would be a little bit scared, and maybe Rudolph may take a couple targets here or there. But I think if Evan Ingram is healthy, he should at least do exactly what he did last year. I don't know about him getting worse, but you can at least expect him to kind of do what he did last year if, if you're, you're just trying to project.
0: And the one thing with Engram is he's ready, potentially ruled out for week one. Uh, it's unofficial, but it, there's trending in that direction, so we'll see what happens with that. Defense last year, the 12th best defense, 11 interceptions, 40 sacks. Do you think they'll finish? I think it's a potential for a just inside the top 10 defense, Alex. Where do you think you can see the Giants finishing?
1: I think they could be a top ten defense. I think they're going to be a top ten defense. <clears throat> the question is going to going to be to me. Um, they generated a lot of pressure uh, as far as getting sacks. When I was doing the research, I was kind of surprised they had forty sacks as a team. Um, but I think they're going to be better in this uh, kind of in this uh, in this situation. I think they're going to be able to get to the quarterback a little bit more. And if that's the case, they could be better than the top ten defense.
0: Yep. Um, all right. Let's move on to the Washington football team. So last year, <clears throat> they were seven and nine and champions of the NFC East at that seven and nine record. Um, they were also the only team in the division with a positive point or differential, which is and wasn't close. The other teams were about minus 80 to minus 100. Washington was a plus six, I believe. So I guess they played to being a 500 team just with the 7-9 record. Um, they did play five playoff teams during the year. They went one for those games. However, just to remind everyone, the quarterback situation, remember there you know, there wasn't a good situation there from having Kyle Allen, Dwayne Haskins, and stuff like that. Um, so they've obviously upgraded quarterback position at least some. Um, and, and in my opinion, also last year, the great thing with Tyler Haneke was the quarterback in the playoffs against the Bucks. They really gave the Bucks. I think, in my opinion – one of the better games that they had to, had to play, I guess. It was definitely an interesting game. Uh, so last year, Washington was 25th in points scored on offense. They were fourth best in points allowed, and they have 15th best roster. So, Alex, my first question for you for the Washington football team is, what nickname do you hope they get?
1: Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, you know what? When I, I figured this day would ever come, but they had to change. I kind of thought if they changed, it would make sense to call themselves the Hogs just because they have such a big connection with their fan base, with their offensive line and and the Hogs back in the day. I thought that would have been a good name. Apparently, that's off the table. Um, I just don't want it to be something embarrassing like the Pelicans or something like that. Some of these new names, the Guardians, the Pelicans, they don't even sound like real sports names. They need if they whatever you, you pick, make sure it's it, it sounds like it's a like a a professional football team. I don't care what they they pick personally; it's not my team. Just don't make it where it's something really weird, you know. Make it where it's it's decent.
0: Yeah, I think uh, you've seen that list of names they have, right? Something like Armada Brigade, Commanders, Defenders, the Presidents, Red Wolves, Red Hogs. And Washington football team, I think is I think like that, that's the list they're picking from. Is there one of those that you like the most? Like you said, you said Red Hogs, would that be one of them?
1: Yeah, I guess they would. It would be more of like a <clears throat> maybe man, more like a, a natural kind of change um, for that. I mean, Washington football team, it's kind of sticking, so I can understand them keeping that. Um, Red Wolves, maybe um, Red Wolves sound sounds like an NCAA team. Like, yeah, it sounds like one of those made up teams that you, when you're in yeah. a and you have to transfer your franchise to another city, yeah, and it makes you switch from Red Wolves sounds just like it. So, um, like I said, it, it doesn't really matter too much to me, um, but just make it where it's, it, it's decent,
0: yeah. The, the presidents would be weird, it's kind of snobbish. Um, next question for them Can they defend the NFC's title with the defense they're building? Do you think they're the favorites?
1: In my opinion, they are. Um, <clears throat> I, I think we'll break on what they kind of did and we'll kind of look and see what, what they got better in some areas. But, yeah, I, I think right now they're they're the team to beat. You know, we always – you talked earlier about the hype on Dallas is always there. I think those, you know, those who, who kind of are in the know know that, you know, Washington, they haven't <clears> – <throat> they're you can travel with a defense. It doesn't matter if they're quarterback. They've already proven they can play with a quarterback and win, so – I think they're the clear-cut favorites.
0: All right, uh, let's talk about drafts. What draft, pick did, draft picks did they make that you liked, Alex?
1: They made a, quite a few in the first uh, 100 picks that I like. We talked about Jameen Davis um, in the draft on the draft show early in the podcast uh, about him. I thought they should have took JOK, but with the health of scare or I thought Davis is a solid linebacker, which is one of their bigger needs they had. Uh, then Sam Cosby, office attacker from Texas. Uh, we obviously talked about they lost their, their tackles um, within the last couple of years. And Trent Williams went to the 49ers, so they have needed to plug that hole. And then it's Benjamin St. Juice from Minnesota. He probably is not going to start day one or whatever, but I think he's a young corner and maybe he's got some ability. And then one of my favorite picks, probably wide receiver, De'Ami Brown, uh, I thought he would go a lot, a lot, <clears throat> a lot earlier. Uh, but I think Brown has potential. If he's able to develop in the next couple of years, he could be number two, maybe number one wide receiver potential.
0: Yeah, agree with you on that. Um, I know you definitely had some hype going into that draft. Um, some of the additions that they made, starting off with the franchise, Brandon Scherf, the guard, he just keeps getting paid. Good for him. Um, other additions that they made, Fitzmagic, obviously being signed, giving the real chance to being the starting quarterback. For, and it's hard, so hard not to root for him. I love him going to this team. It, you know, Even as not a fan of the Washington football team, I, I can watch them just because of him and that defense. Uh, I, I'm actually excited to watch that team. Other additions, William Jackson signing a very underrated good corner out of Cincinnati. I think that's a, that's a, a great signing. Curtis Samuels, another great signing. Adam Humphrey, eh, okay, slot receiver out of Tennessee. He's all right, gives him some decent depth. Uh, Alex, some of the losses that they have, what are you tracking for losses? Well,
1: the uh, our, our quarterback retired, Brian. Good old Alex Smith. It's true. He gipped all the way to the finish line, man. But somehow so away, he made it. So uh, good luck for him. And uh, I guess he's in the booth now. So good luck with him. Hope he has a great uh, career. Uh, they lost Mark uh, Morgan Moses to the Jets, obviously. Um, one of the ones that the, um, a couple of the division rivals plucked some of their players. One of his is Ryan Kerrigan. I knew a lot of Washington football team people who were really upset with him going to Philadelphia. It's like there's two places you could go, you can't go Philadelphia and Dallas. And then he went to Philadelphia, but that kind of is what it is. Um, Thomas Davis had been there kind of on his last legs, trying to get them some inside linebacker help. He retired. And then they lost two cornerbacks who from last year, in Darby and Moreau.
0: Yeah, the thing you said about Kerrigan, that goes back to what I said earlier about Tomlinson. If I was Tomlinson, that's what I would be doing. You don't want to pay me, Giants. You want to pay Leonard Williams instead? Screw you guys. Dallas, pay me. I'll even take $1 million less. Let me just screw them up. Just let me go there. That's what I would be doing. But, you know, whatever. Went to the Vikings. Good for him. Worked out. That's just I like the spike move sometimes. Uh, transaction you like the most, Alex. Is there one you like the most?
1: You know what? I know people are going to laugh at me, but I actually like the Fitz magic thing for the simple fact, me being a, a person who is the um, uh, cowboy fan. I watched Washington all my life. One thing that for some reason works with Washington is signing backup or or, or old core veteran quarterbacks. It's generally how they win. win Super Bowls, they don't ever draft young quarterbacks that usually ever work, never works out. I think the last one to kind of work out, man, been Thiesman. Uh, but other than that, when they're good, they usually have a veteran quarterback that they sign, or they get from somewhere else, maybe some un- un- underdog or something like that, like Ty Collins, who comes in and kind of comes out of nowhere and kind of leads them on a the playoff chase. So um, that usually works more than drafting young quarterbacks to me. So I I, I like it. Uh, I like Heineke. I thought Heineke had a chance to start, but. I think the quarterback positions, you know, they had problems last year. You can't play with that this year. You think you got a chance to be go deep in the playoffs? Why not uh, solidify your team with uh, Fitzpatrick? If he doesn't work out, you got Heineke.
0: So for me, uh, I was so torn between Samuel and Jackson. Like to me, those two signings are top ten, maybe top five best signings for new player going to a team in the whole offseason, in my opinion. William Jackson, I love him going there. I think he's going to be great in that defense. Uh, and, and he's going, he's slotting in next to Kyle Fuller. So they got, in my opinion, two really good corners um, that they were able to just kind of steal away from other teams. So I, I thought that was great. However, the move that I like slightly better, though, is the Curtis Hamley move, just because, I you know, I think it's such a great compliment to uh, McLaurin, Scary Terry. You know, he's really developing to a really good number one. I think Curtis Hamley gives you that really great option between, uh, you know, running the ball, doing jet sweeps, uh, being in the line of the backfield, lining out wide. He had a thousand total yards uh, of off over a thousand total yards of offense. I think it's just a great weapon to have in terms of you you add him to Jay, you know, McKinsey, a receiving back. I I just like, it. I like the variety that they're building there in Washington. I think I love those two signings. What, uh, what signing did you not, or what
1: transaction did you not like Alex? The that fact they haven't uh, resigned, re Sheriff, I think he's uh he's been a, a quality player for them for years. You can maybe make some arguments for or against it. Um, but when you're a team like this, I mean, especially the fact they signed up they signed a lot of players this offseason, you gotta you gotta take care of the guy. Either you take care of the guy, or you move on and try to see if you can get something for him. But I really always have hated the franchise tag tag thing because a lot of times teams kinda tag players with really no attempt to kind of give them a long-term deal or they try to wait the guy out until, you know, he just gets tired and just takes less money because he doesn't want to go year to year. Um, but I think they should have just took care of him found a way to take care of him.
0: So my, this is the only time I'm going to, I'm going to do this, uh, which is not going to apply to the transaction this year, but tying into what you said with not taking care of him, I'm going to tie it all the way back to Trent Williams. The fact that she, you know, the way everything was handled to the point where he wanted to leave and you gave up so little, got so little for him. I of course love the whole situation as a Niners fan, but man, when you have that situation and then you have the sheriff situation, which I'm not really sure if he just wants to get paid a lot of money year by year, I really highly doubt that's what he wants. But those two things together kind of, to me, send a bad message to the team on how they take care of people. Um, so hopefully they work it out with him to give him the big contract he deserves at his position group at least and, and hopefully that does work out. Moving on to the cap they have 16 million available this year, 51 million next year uh, for this year you know they have 15 million of dead money and sheriff's on his franchise tag deal making 18 million so we'll see uh, you know that money for 51 million is going to get cut down obviously when they resign him which they should. And it also helps that you don't have any major quarterback commitment money like other teams do. So having this kind of stopgap, having uh, Tyler Henneke on a decent deal allows them to financially really take care of him and, and, and you know pay out their defense. Uh, let's move on to fantasy. Fitzpatrick last year, Alex, was their number 19 quarterback at 16 two, 16.2 fantasy points per game. He started in seven of the nine games he played throwing for over 2,000 yards, 13 touchdowns, eight interceptions with two rushing touchdowns. He's got... I would say slightly better weapons in Washington than Miami probably. So, you know, I would assume that he continues these numbers on, and it maybe even improves a little bit. And the thing to remember is, you know, I said, he's number 19. He's one point away from being the number 13 fantasy quarterback. So one more point per game gets him up six spots alone. So Alex, do you think that he has a chance to improve his numbers? Yes. He's 38 years old, but being a full time, having those weapons, you know, uh, across the field, Do you see him being closer to uh, a number 13 or being like a number 19 again?
1: Um, Just by just how I feel, I think he'd be closer to maybe 13. And I'm not saying he's a top 15 fantasy quarterback, uh, because any way you look at it, depending on if you're in a standard league, he's probably not somebody you're running as QB1. Uh, He's definitely kind of one of those quarterbacks you're going to kind of want to put on your bench, kind of playing in kind of a flex position of in uh, particularly when they play the worst the def- defenses or something like that unless you don't have very solid good quarterback um uh, but yeah I, I expect his numbers kind of to to kind of be closer to that top 15 ish fantasy wise um than i would closer to 20s
0: all right moving on to gibson he's someone that people have been talking up um a lot he uh was number 18 running back at 13.7 fantasy points per game, 700, 795 rushing yards with 11 rushing touchdowns, 36 catches. He's projected for a, you know, big jump, uh, you know, and they have him projected for over 1000 yards and nine rushing touchdowns, 51 catches. Those numbers put him at number 12 from 18 last year, Alex. Do you think he makes that jump from 18 to 12?
1: Yeah, I think he'll he'll have a, a, a better year. I think he'll jump fantasy wise. Um, one thing when we were doing research, I found out he you know he didn't play majority day one, but man, I mean he had 11 touchdowns last year, so I could definitely see him more. The only thing that I kind of would scare me a little bit more about him is how they're going to use McKissick. Um, they absolutely threw the ball at McKissick. If you were in a PPR league, you loved McKissick last year. Because uh, he kind of was kind of, he got so many balls that he was a play in PPR leagues. That would kind of give me give me a little bit uh hesitation. Is Gibson going to be your third, more of the third bound back that they're going to be able to throw to him so he'd get better points? Um, you're going to have to, you know, I've seen him kind of going higher in leagues. I th- definitely think he's definitely worth drafting in the first couple of rounds, but I don't think, I don't know if he's a round one guy. I've seen a couple of drafts I've had people drafted him in round one. I don't know if I could take him that high.
0: Yeah, I couldn't either. I I would be happy taking him in round two. Um, Even in a 14-team league, I don't know if I could – I could maybe take him at the end of round one, but I'm not sure. Um, Yeah, and and last year McKissick had 80 catches, and Gibson only had 36. So they have hit McKissick getting less catches, and Gibson's number's going up. I guess we'll see if that really is going to be true. I'm not really sure why you would change what worked well last year, but I do see Big Gibson could definitely get more uh, rushing yards. I could see that. I mean, he's 6'2", 200 pounds, over 200 pounds. You know, he's definitely not a small back. Um, so I definitely think they can increase the workload. Now, he did come in, you know, he didn't really run the ball a lot in college, so he he does show that he can catch the ball. Um, McKissick, however, was also a draftable running back, 11.2 fantasy points per game, so only two points behind Gibson, in terms of points per game, um, like I said, he had 80 catches last year. So I think in a PPR league, he's worth kind of a, a late look to see if they use him the same way again. He had 110 targets as a secondary back. Like, that's crazy. So, um, you know, we'll see, because maybe when Kuro Samuel comes in, it changes a little bit. Um, Logan Thomas did have a good amount of targets. Um, so I, I'd be kind of wary him because like, I don't think I would draft it. I would kind of look and wait on the waiver wire, see how they use him year two in that system. Let's move on to wide receivers. Scary Terry number 21, 14.5 fantasy points per game, 87 catches uh, uh, or 1118 yards and four touchdowns. He did have 134 targets. Uh, he's really developed into a glo- a good low end wide receiver one and, and a solid, solid wide receiver two. Um, and then you got Kurt Samuel, He was number 32 last year, 13.3 points per game, a thousand total yards, uh, five total touchdowns. Um, I I think Samuel is more of a wide receiver three flex. Alex, do you agree with that, or do you think Samuel is higher as a wide receiver two?
1: I I, I agree with you. He's like a a three, I I would say that. Um, The only thing I would say about both of these guys, both these guys had inconsistent quarterback play, and they still did numbers. So you could maybe take it for what it is to think. Maybe they might get a little bit better with more consistent quarterback play, but we'll see. And
0: we He's not afraid to throw the ball. So, you know, as long as his arm holds up through 17 games, being 38 years old, I I definitely love the potential for those wide receivers. I think they're definitely sneaky good. You know, one of the drafts that me and Alex had recently, um, McLaurin went high, higher than we wanted to. And one of our buddies was a Washington fan. He he really wanted him and couldn't happen. So, uh, you know, McLaurin may not not be the wide receiver that you can just kind of steal. It's probably going to have to be Curtis Samuel, and you just hope that he works out in that offense like he did in Carolina's. Let's move on to the tight end. It's probably the um, feel-good story for fantasy football, maybe, Alex. But uh, as Logan Thomas, number five tight end last year, uh, 10.6 fantasy points per game, 72 catches, 670 yards, six touchdowns on 110 targets, which was the third most targets in football. So he was the tight end with the third most targets. He's never had more than 28 targets in a season. So, and remember, he was a quarterback in college. He came into the NFL, moved over to the tight end for Buffalo. He was there kind of a couple of years, and he just kind of, came out of his mold last year and, and had a great year. So Alex, do you think this continues and he can be another top five tight end again?
1: No, I, I think he'll be top 10. Um, I think he'll get to targets. He had 110 targets last year and him with McKinnon both had 110 tight targets. Um, but you have to understand the quarterbacks who are throwing the, fo- the football check down Alex. Um, I think they're going to probably push the ball down the field a little bit more but I still think he's going to get, you know, maybe around a hundred targets. Uh, but the, you know, <clears throat> one of the things about Logan Thomas, him kind of coming across the board and kind of coming out of nowhere, uh, I always like wide receivers tight ends who play quarterback because they tend to get you know, to be smart enough to kind of get to the right part of the zone and make the quarterbacks, you know, a lot easier. So I, I can see him getting, still getting around a hundred targets uh, the question is, is going to me is going to be, can he increase his touchdowns? Can he become a red zone threat? Because if he do, he could definitely increase his points per game.
0: It's true. Defense last year was number four overall. Sixteen interceptions, forty seven sacks. Alex, I, I, I would ask you, can be a uh, top five defensive game. But myself, I think they're a top three defenses this, this year. Um, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, they're going to make a jump. I think they're going to be better in their secondary. Um, you know as far as interceptions concerned, because when you got the pass rush and you have the back end, particularly better cornerback play, safety play um, back there that can kind of mirror with that, you get the quarterback to throw the ball out. So even if you don't get a sack, you, you, you're going get a better chance for getting interceptions. So I, I definitely can see their interceptions going up.
0: Yeah, and all, all their defensive linemen were in the top 20. Uh, Payne was a little bit off that, but I mean – your, their, their defensive ends were number five and number 11 overall. Uh, it's that's scary when you can have that on your defense. All right, let's move on to the overrunners. Alex, you have the overrunners in front of you? Yes, I do. All right, so let's start out with Washington. Uh, so Washington, they finished first last year. They only played six playoff teams because of the division. I mean, this is one of those teams where only one team made the playoffs, so there's going to be a lot lower than other teams. Um, so even with their first play schedule, they only play six playoff teams. Um, they have a good amount of winnable games, not not for sure games, but games that they have a very good chance of you know pulling out. Um, however, they end the season with a stretch of at Carolina, Seattle, at Las Vegas, Dallas, at Philly, at Dallas, Philly, at the Giants. That's a crazy end when you're playing so many divisional games. But if they can control those divisional games, uh, they have a really good chance of just locking the division up just from that alone, because last year they went four and two against their own division. The two losses were against the Giants. Um, you know, obviously, probably won't win twice against Dallas again. You know, obviously they hope they do, Alex. You obviously hope they won't. But I think you know they have some favorable games in that schedule, and uh, I think if they control the divisional games again, which they should, in my opinion, that I have them winning the division again, Alex. <laughs> I have them winning ten games this year because i think there's only real challenges they have is they play kansas city and green bay uh and the bucks so outside of those three games they don't play seattle at seattle so i think that's a winnable game uh they do however play at the bills week three so they have you know four tough tough games and i think the rest are winnable games for them so i got them at 10 wins alex what's the over under set at for washington eight and a half wins so I'm I'm way over. I'm maybe way too high on them. But you know, hey, I'm buying I'm buying that defensive hype. I think the offensive weapons are good. And I think that's Magic just has to be what he is to to get to pull that off. So what do you have them winning for uh, for games, Alex?
1: I actually have them at 10 wins also, um, with the right. caveat. Um it's it's you know, we're we're on the very few people to buy the fist magic hype. I'm not just buying his hype. I think Heineke uh, I think he can play. I think if he ever put, got put in a situation, I think he'd be manageable. They don't need somebody to be, you know, top-tier quarterback play. All they need is just somebody who can move the football, who doesn't turn the football over. So, um, I, I, and to think about it, the games they got, really enough, the games on the schedule, they got teams that I think they match up with. Like, for some reason, Seattle is a team that they struggle against Washington it's just, it's just been, <clears throat> kind of been surely historically. Russell Wilson has problems with playing Washington football team. It's certain teams that they're having to play that you consider tough games. They're teams they just match up well with. So, and then we always believe, you know, when you have a really good defense, it doesn't matter where you go. It could travel. So I got them at 10 wins. All right. Sounds good. Let's move on to the Giants. They
0: play against seven playoff teams. They play more playoff teams than Washington does, mainly because they're playing against Washington twice, Um, but they don't play any of the, of the bottom feeders, uh, in the league. So they, to me, they kind of have a tough schedule. Um, they have a favorable start of the schedule, you know, playing the Broncos, Washington, Atlanta, the saints, um, Cowboys, they get the Rams in New York, they get the Panthers in New York. So those games, yes, you know, the Cowboys and Washington could be tough games, but, to me, the first seven weeks is really going to determine what the Giants do for the rest of the year because the rest of the year is kind of tough. You know, they play at Kansas City, they play at Tampa Bay, play at Miami, they play at Chicago, um, you know, at the Chargers. There's a lot of away games at the end of the schedule for them after their bye week. So I think they really have to start strong to have a chance to make a playoff push. But Alex, I think their schedule is a little tougher. I'm not sure about Daniel Jones yet. I'm not sure about the offense because of the injury. So for that reason – I have the Giants at eight wins. What is the over-under set out for them?
1: Over-under is at seven.
0: All right, so got them over by a tiny bit. Alex, what do you have them at?
1: I got them at seven, yeah. I think there's some games, winnable games on there to make them be competitive. Um, I know last year they kind of lost some games by one score game, so I think their defense is going to keep them in some of these games and keep it one score. The question is, you gotta have a quarterback who's gonna make that play, and uh, Daniel Jones has just been reluctant to make that play. Uh, we saw in that Philadelphia game where he, we thought he made that play to win the game, and then he tripped. He's just kind of been <laughs> his history in the NFL that when he's trying to make that play, even in in the in the in the in the, in the Tampa Bay game, they should have won that game. Um, if you're a better quarterback, you make that play at the end of the game. Doesn't matter about <clears throat> whatever. So, I mean, no, they got closed, you know, on that that, <clears throat> that call on um, near the end. But still, you got to have that quarterback who's going to get it. You got the defense and the special teams. are going to keep you in every single game. Uh, we question how healthy Saquon Barkley is. But at the end of the day, they need that quarterback to kind of win those games. So, I got them at seven on the dot. All
0: right. Let's move on to the uh, Cowboys, your boys. So, my two favorite stats now. My first favorite stat, obviously, is the interceptions that Vincent Wolf has compared to Jamal Adams. My second favorite stat now is the Cowboys games last year against playoff teams. So last year, the Cowboys went, against, went 0-7 against playoff teams. Like I said, I think the only team that can probably say that, which is just insane to me. Um, but they need to change that if they're going to compete. I think, obviously, you know, there's a big difference in injuries. There's a big difference in who they have coming back. So obviously... You, you don't expect that to happen again. This will be a different Cowboys team, um, at least you know your boys hope. They play five games against playoff teams this year, including including the crucial Week One matchup at Tampa Bay. That's how we get to start the year next uh, Thursday, September 9th, six twenty, kicking off at Raymond James Stadium. Your uh, your guys go to Tampa Bay against defending champions. Going to be a tough task. Going to be a good uh, indicator of where the Cowboys are at, maybe, but. Outside of that, Alex, after week one, the Cowboys do not play another team that made the playoffs until week 11 at Kansas city. So that's kind of crazy, right? (laughs) They have a 10 game stretch against teams that did not make the playoffs. The Cowboys in theory should make a lot of noise in that stretch. If they're really who we quote unquote thought they were. So I, I, to me, Alex, that's the big key for them. You know, I don't see there's a way to beat Tampa Bay. Ken Garnett once said something that anything's possible. I just don't think that's possible. But after week one, man, there's a real good chance the Cowboys could have a winning record going into that game at Kansas City week 11, which I think will give everyone a big sense of false security of who they are. Not trying to be a jerk Alex to your guys, but I think, you know, you know how the media hypes them up. You know, Skip Bayless and all those people that talk all their crap. I think there's going to be a lot of false hype because of the schedule and how easy it is at the start, which is a good thing because it builds a lot of morale, builds their team up. Um, but after that, it gets a little tougher. For that, Alex, I do have the Cowboys winning nine games. Though the thing, the reason why I can't go higher myself is I'm not sure about Mike McCarthy and that defense. Still, that's my big question. I believe in the offense that you guys have, but I don't know if I believe in the coach and the defense. And wins. What do you have
1: them at? So. Ladies and gentlemen, listening at home where you're at, we do not talk about this at all. We, I don't give him his over-unders at all. I don't tell him what I think. We come straight out the gut with this. So, um, the over-under on Dallas's team is nine wins on the dot. Oh my God. Where, where I have Dallas at, nine wins on the dot. So, um, I'm used to the late season um, disasters And I'm expecting a late season disaster, particularly the week before they're going to near the end of the year. They're going to have to play Washington, probably lose that game, put in a situation maybe where they have to either win the last week of the season and Washington lose for them to get into the playoffs or win the division. And, of course, that last game, we all know what happens with Dallas. So that's what I picked uh, if it was a 17-game schedule, I put a would, probably would probably win 8-8. Eight eight. Just so happens because the NFL loves uh, money, we are at 17 games, can't go 8-8 anymore. So I got them at 9-8. That's where I got them. Can't, yep, say right. can't say I'm a homer. Can't say I'm a homer. Can't say I'm saying, hey, they're going undefeated win the Super Bowl. Hey, telling you guys what I feel, my gut feeling. And this is the funny thing about this. the quarterback position kind of doesn't mean as much in his division as any other division. Washington can get top 15 quarterback play from their, their quarterback and be a threat to, to go deep in the playoffs. If the Giants get top 20 quarterback play from their quarterback, the Giants might win this division. Dallas can get top two quarterback play from their quarterback and they still miss the division would miss the playoffs. That's just how the, the the difference between those teams in that division is. It's it's amazing. They're banking on a lot of young defensive players to kind of come around and play and be well for them. And good luck to the Dallas Cowboys because I'm be rooting for them. But that's a lot to kind of think that you got guys coming off the street who are 20 year olds, 21 year olds. They're gonna come here and play against men and be great defensive players. All right, let's move on to the Eagles. Uh
0: don't think this is going to change much for them this year, but they have five games against playoff teams. Uh They are the only team in division that actually gets to play the easier games. They do have, you know, uh I think three of the teams that finished in last place last year. So they have the Lions, that I think they have the Falcons, the Jets. So they have some winnable games, but it's just tough to see them winning the division. They have a decent roster. I think they could be close to 500 if a lot of things go right. But Alex, I don't have them you know, coming out of last place. I have them at seven wins. So what's the over-under and what do you got them at?
1: The over-under is six and a half. So you're based around the same ballpark area. What do you have them at? I have them at six wins. Um, I got, um, I mean, the difference in, in these games are going to be the the the, uh, the 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 divisional games. We talked about that in the NFC West. It's the same thing here. This division is going to be so close as far as, is um playing each other <clears throat> it is so funny like washington and dallas dallas usually in owns washington or in the giants usually owns washington but it's kind of been switched the last couple of years where Philly's kind of been the one that, that's having the problems playing the divisional game so I, I I got them at six wins could I see them get to seven I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Yep all right so it looks like we got Washington one Dallas
1: two Giants 3, Eagles 4, right? That's what you got also? oh uh, Yeah, we got them. Uh, well, I think you said you got them tied at the bottom with the Giants with seven wins.
0: Uh, I had the Giants at eight, and I had the Eagles at seven, okay. so I got 10, yeah, nine, yeah. 8, seven. I'm sorry. Okay, 10, nine, eight, seven. Okay. All right, sounds good. So that wraps up this one. Uh, next week we'll be doing AFC East, the last one for the season. Uh, Alex, any last comments before we sign this off?
1: Wow. Well, this is uh, this we're near the end of this thing, man. It seems like this is a whole season for us. The offseason season was a whole season for us. So, but I've been enjoying it, and hopefully, everybody's been enjoying it listening. Definitely.
0: All right. So that was uh, episode thirty-one for us. So, Sports Talk for our fans by fans. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back next uh, episode with AFC East. And thanks for listening.